0: Good morning, Um, we have two announcements today. The first one is the Children's Advocacy Center fundraiser. In the back, next to Grayson, he's back there, um, there's a car swiper and if you donate $10, this can help towards a family in crisis. And there's these cards that are also back there with the car swiper, it's white with a sign that says $10 on it, it's super easy just to insert your card. it's a Christmas card to support abuse prevention and to send help to abusive or victims that have been abused. And so that's really awesome. My second thing, I don't have a slide for it, but I'm a teacher and uh, I work at a Title One school. The holidays are coming up and it's really hard. So we're thinking about making care packages for our students. We have a resource um, classroom and we are just really in need of things that are microwavable so mashed potatoes, macaroni, Chef RD, just to give to these kids over long periods of time when we don't see them. We are also in need of jeans. Our students come to school wearing shorts. And so if you have, like, a pair of jeans, again, for various sizes, I mean, there's no size that we're particularly looking for, but just jeans, and if you have coats that you don't wear, our students just wear a very thin jacket to school and we have kids that walk to and from school and so it's really hard just to see them in the cafeteria eating and seeing them in shorts and a shirt still. Um, I was also thinking that we've had kids wanting to learn how to do laundry and just to kind of make it easier maybe Tide Pods as well is what we're asking for just to show them steps by steps of how to do laundry and just something simple like a pod to go in. So, again, think like a middle schooler. So, if you want to write this stuff down, think like a middle schooler. Things that are microwavable, like mashed potatoes, macaroni, Chef 4ID. We're really great on ramen. I know that's the first thing that people think about is ramen, but we're good on ramen. So, just anything that's like granola bars that they can just eat, they can give to a sibling um, and pop in the microwave. Jeans, guys and girls, and coats. if you have sweatshirts, we can take those as well. And just think in terms of laundry. There's kids that want to learn. They just don't have a parental parent sometimes to teach them or have time to teach them. But those are the only things that I have. I'll go ahead and pray over the offering basket. It's going to cross in the aisles, and it's going to go back. I'll pray over this. And Leslie, you're preaching today. So I'll pray over Leslie as well. So um, God, you're good. Uh, We just want to just thank you for families, thank you for community, and thank you for children, and let us be reminded that there are people that desperately need people to love them and people to advocate for them. Um, Please place that on our hearts and keep that in mind of the children here um, and the families. Um, I pray that we can have giving hearts with our time, with our resources, with our money, and I also want to pray over Leslie and the message that she's going to preach today. And just that it's the words from you and from no one else. And God, you're just so good. And we just want to lift you up and thank you so much for all that you've done for us. In your son's name, amen.
1: I'm glad you guys are here this morning. My name is Leslie Rowe, and I'm on staff here at the Dunton North Church. Um, Brad Davis is my co-pastor, and he and his wife, Chelsea, are in New York today. So, yeah, exactly. No, but we're glad that they're, they're getting a break uh, and getting to have a nice trip like that. Um, I realized in the last several weeks that I've said several times um, when I've been preaching how very different that Brad and I are, um, but I'm not sure that I have conveyed really well how much I love and appreciate him. Um, Brad thinks very deeply about God and about the Denton North Church. Um, He thinks outside the box and he really challenges a lot of my long-held traditions and and beliefs and causes me to think more deeply. And because of that, uh, the time that I've spent working with Brad has been one of the biggest growth times in my spiritual life, Um, but he and I meet almost every week, and we have great discussions about the church and great discussions about the Bible, Um, and I just really value getting to be on staff with him and work with him. One of the things that uh, Brad will quite often say before he gives a sermon is how he's only worked on it for 15 minutes Um, And I just kind of want to explain that to you for a minute, because when he says that, I think that most of you think, oh, he doesn't think this is important. Like, he sat down for 15 minutes and um, just kind of wrote something willy-nilly out to share with us. Um, But Brad is the one that thought through all of the topics for this sermon series, that put Scripture with all of those topics that took um, one of our Christian forefathers and put that into the topic as well and then came up with a psalm or thought through the psalms and how they fit in with this topic. So just to do that, just to put together what you've seen on Facebook, took a lot of thinking and a lot of time. And so when he says that, What he's saying is, yeah, I've been thinking about this for about four months and I've been praying about it and studying on it, but it only took him 15 minutes to write down some of those thoughts, not that he came up with them in 15 minutes. And so I just think that's important for you to know because I think he does that jokingly, And I think sometimes that's lost on some of you. You don't really understand that. Um, But I just want you to know that he does put a lot of value on that. And so you can feel free to correct him whenever he says things like that. Um, That I just wanted you to know uh, that he really does uh, spend a lot of time thinking about what is best for our body and what God would have our body to think about and study about. Before I start today, um, I want to pray for our Wiley Church. Um, So the Wiley Church this morning is having the first meeting of a church plant in Plano. And um, I just think that we have a really cool opportunity to support them by praying for them. I think that's really important. If you know people at either the Wiley Church or or the people that are participating in the Plano plant, Please encourage them. Please let them know that we're praying for them as a church body. Ask them what are ways that you could support them and encourage them as they do this. Um, Because it's not always an easy thing to do to get out of your comfort zone, to leave people that you've worshiped with for a long time and go somewhere new or to stay at the church you've been at while people that you know and love are going out to plant another church. So let's just pray for them together this morning. Um, God, I just want to lift up the Wiley Church as well as the Plano Church Plant, and God, I pray that you would just do amazing things to bring glory to your name in both of those communities. I pray that there will be people um, that don't know you or that aren't connected to a community that will come to know you and come to have a church family because of these um, two churches. I pray, God, that you'll give people both places a heart for the people in the community around them. Um, that they would be willing to do what it takes to spread your gospel and to bring Jesus to the people around them. And we just pray that everything would be to your glory, Lord. I pray that um, as we talk this morning just about becoming fully mature, that you would speak to us through your word and that you would speak to us uh, the truth that we need to take away from this. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title... Um, I changed the title of the sermon today, by the way. So if you were looking on Facebook, the title is different. I'm titling this, It's Not About Me Becoming Fully Mature. And I'll explain that a little more in a few minutes. But in a lot of ways, this is kind of a part two to what we talked about last week, about anxiety and identity, and about the idea of we aren't what our issues are, and putting our hope in um, the future promises that God has given us. One of the, um, or the person we're going to look at today is Soren Kierkegaard. And a lot of the information I'm going to share comes from a book uh, that Brad's been using as well called Sources of Christian Self. But Soren Kierkegaard was a Danish philosopher, theologian, poet, social critic, and religious author. And he lived in the early 1800s. He was from Denmark. And he died at a young age. He died at 42 of tuberculosis. And you'll oftentimes hear existentialism associated with his name. And when I read that, I was like, what even is existentialism? Like, I don't even know. So let me just clue you in, because I found a definition that started out in simple terms. And I was like, I can understand this. In simple terms, existentialism is a philosophy concerned with finding self and the meaning of life through free will, choice, and personal responsibility. The belief is that people are searching to find out who and what they are throughout life as they make choices based on their experiences, beliefs, and outlooks. So I'll give you some examples from his time period because in a lot of ways he predated Um, what is actually thought of as the existentialist period. So the common belief of the day was we find within ourselves the criterion for truth. Our own rational judgments determine the boundaries of what is true. Um, One philosopher said awareness of self is the beginning of wisdom, as opposed to what the Bible says about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, another one said religion is merely a human construction, and Christian identity of all upright citizens is taken for granted, but the costly demands of following Christ crucified are not giving a second thought. And while the citizens of Kierkegaard's age wished to inherit Christ's good name listen closely to this they largely declined the invitation to follow Christ in suffering and costly obedience. Attention was only given to divine revelation to confirm God's approval of man's achievements. How crazy is that? But here's where I think Kierkegaard uh, split from some of those philosophies. He believed the greatest threat to Christian faith came from those who supposed themselves to already be Christian simply because they were born in Denmark, which was considered a Christian country. And he said, Faith is not a mental conviction about doctrine, nor positive religious feelings, but a passionate commitment to God in the face of uncertainty. Faith is a risk an adventure that requires the denial of oneself. To choose faith is what brings authentic self-awareness and authentic identity. So you can see the difference um, in those two ways of thinking. But one of the things I was really struck by as I was reading back through that is how very similar some of that sounds to our culture today. Um, And how very much reading through some of that was like, ouch, like, I hear that a lot now, and we find in Colossians that Paul is talking much about self the same way that Kierkegaard does. So, just a reminder that Colossians was founded by Epaphras, which was one of Paul's co-workers, and it was mostly a church of Gentiles. Paul had not been there, and he didn't know the church firsthand, but he had been in prison with Epaphras. And so, he had heard about them. Um, And so, he is writing this letter because they've heard about problems in the church. And would somebody read Colossians 1, verses 24 through 29, please? Stand up and read it really loud so everybody can hear. Colossians 1, 24 through 29. Okay. Okay. So, verse 28… So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ, is our in Christ passage that we're going to focus on this morning. Um, And so this is where my title comes from. It's not about me becoming fully mature. See, self-awareness is not about looking and knowing ourselves better. Self-awareness is about knowing Christ better. And maturity comes from knowing Christ better. It's not about me. It's about him. And if you don't remember anything else, if you remember those words, you'll have gotten the most important message from this this morning. True maturity only comes from Christ. That's my first point. True maturity only comes from Christ. And Paul writes to them and tells them to proclaim Jesus, tells them to admonish, and tells them to teach. And so the first thing I thought about is that Most of the time when we're talking about maturity, we tend to think about, how do I compare to other people around me? And we tend to think that we're mature and we're maturing as long as we're doing better than some other disciples that we know. And whenever we use that as our criteria, we're no better than the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 And I'm just going to read this really quick to remind you of what he said. I'm going to read verses 11 and 12. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. See, he was comparing himself to other people obviously, to people that he considered were not doing as well as he was. But if he had been comparing himself to Christ, he would have come to a much different conclusion. It's kind of like a cattleman who spends his life tending his cattle, and he has very little exposure to life beyond that, and he prides himself on being very smart because he's smarter than his own cows. And so we recognize immediately how absurd that is, but that's not a whole lot different from what we do. We find people or surround ourselves and compare ourselves to people that aren't as mature as we think we are and then say we're doing okay. His cows were not the criterion by which he needed to be measuring his own intellect. So, it's in Jesus that we see what maturity looks like, and it's through him that we secure real maturity. And for this reason, the question, how well do I know Christ, is actually the most critical question. So, consider, well, okay, let me go back. I've got to explain this a little bit. Okay, so, second part of this is knowing Christ well. And Kierkegaard talks about this really complicated idea of infinitude's despair is to lack finitude. It took me a long time to read through that and even get any kind of grasp on that. But basically what he's trying to say is that whenever your ideas are not properly aligned with your everyday experience, that's kind of what he's talking about. And this is the best example Um, of that that I read about. It says, "'Consider the Christian who claims to be concerned "'for the poor and the outcast "'and talks passionately of the church "'as a place where the outcasts of society are welcome. "'But then when a smelly homeless person "'seeks refuge in the church, "'the person professing the high ideals is repelled. "'One is reminded of Charles Schultz's famous Peanuts cartoon "'in which Linus protests, "'I love humankind. "'It's people I can't stand.'" See, a lot of times there's a disconnect between what we say, but we believe, and the reality of living that out. And that's a good example of that. And it's only through Christ that we can live out the consistency of his character. Like, we can't do that on our own. It's through him that we're able to do that, and through focusing on him, not focusing on ourselves, that we're able to do that. So how do we know Christ Well you already know the answer to that question. We've talked about this a lot, but I'm gonna remind you this morning. How do we know Christ well? Jesus said the greatest commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. And the seconds like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And both of these are relational. And like all relationships, you have to spend time together If you want to grow that relationship, you have to spend time if you want to know Christ well. You have to spend time with Him, listening to Him. You have to spend time in the Word. And guys, I'm gonna hammer this until the day I die. We have to spend time in the Word if we want to know Christ well. It has to become a discipline, it has to become a habit. There's not really much of a way other than if we were to not have access to the word. I think God could work in spite of that. But we do have access to the word. And so he's going to use that for us to know him better. It's through prayer, it's through obedience, it's through learning what Christ like love looks like, what Christ like character looks like. I think about um, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. We learn it through the body. We learn it through how we are able to serve and interact with one another, the one another passages that we're able to put into practice with the body. We learn it through accountability, and we learn it through mentorship. You know all of those things. One thing I was reminded of this morning as I was reading is that Christ came to earth to become human, to identify and relate to us. And when we spend time with him, that's reversed. We come to him as a human so that we can grow in Christ-likeness to look like him. And we've got to surrender. It's not about us Um, We fail to be who God wants us to be and created us to be. We fail to be mature because a lot of times we want a different self or we want to control our own self. And that's where surrender comes in. You cannot know Christ well without surrender. Maturity is not about knowing ourselves better. It's about knowing Christ better. And then the second point is, we must work hard as we rely on his power working in us. And that is verse 29 in that Colossians passage. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And this says to me that we aren't helpless. That we aren't helpless in trying to know Christ. We aren't helpless in trying to become mature in Christ that we have his power, and that we, it gives us the energy to work to become more mature. Um, there was a, a Christian songwriter, and I kind of hesitate to use the word Christian. He was a Christian, but he didn't necessarily write songs for Christians. Um, but his name was Rich Mullins, and he said in the lyrics of his song Creed, I believe what I believe is what makes me what I am. I did not make it, no, it is making me. It is the very truth of God and not the invention of any man. See, what we know and what we believe about Christ is what's making us mature. It's what is making us who we are. In the early 19th century, Charles Simeon encouraged young men that he discipled to go into missions. And Henry Martin was one of his uh, students. He went to India and then he went to Persia where he died of tuberculosis at the age of 31. And this was the days before there was any photography, but someone painted a picture of Martin and sent it to Simeon. And he was shocked at the gaunt appearance of the man. But he took that portrait and he hung it over his mantle in his study And he said when he looked at it, that what it said to him was, be in earnest, don't trifle. Those are interesting words, not words that we use a whole lot in our day. And so if I were to look at that painting and to say what it would mean to me, I would say words like, it means work hard, don't be lazy, give your best, give your all, give more than you think you can. It's not about me. And as I think about that, I think about some of my brothers and sisters in Christ and how they inspire me in um, working hard and relying on the power of God. Um, I think about John and Christy Von Runnen. John's the pastor at our Wiley Church. Both of them own their own business. John owns a website development company, and Christy owns a cheer gym. They have four kids of their own. They almost always have somebody else living with them. And John pastors the Wiley Church. Christy's one of the youth workers. Both of them meet up with a lot of people every week and study the Bible with them one-on-one. And when we lived with them, Christy was also homeschooling two days a week two of her kids. And when I say homeschooling, I don't mean that she was giving them an assignment and saying, go work on this while I do all these other things. They were at a particular point in school where it took a ton of time for her to help them with those assignments they do guide to decide they do marriage counseling they lead a very busy life but guess what they are not burned out and they're not burned out because they're working in the power of Christ and not in their own power it makes a huge difference and when I look at their life it makes me want to be better It makes me want to work harder. It inspires me to be better for God. Um, And it reminds me that if I'm not working on his power, I'm working on my own, and that's not very effective. I also think about the lady that I bought donuts from this morning. It was just a really simple interaction. I'd never been to this particular donut store before, um but I was she was helping me with my donuts and she said are these for a family breakfast and I said well sort of they're for church we're having a mingle with our college students this morning and she said oh and so then she throws in more donut holes and um, she says if you ever have information that you want to leave here for us to give other people, you're welcome to do that, whether it's like a tract talking about the gospel or if it's an event you're having that you want to advertise. And then she stopped and she looked at me and she said, we have to be missional, right? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we do, we do. But I just think about what a sweet woman just going about her job of making donuts, but it's so much more than just making donuts, like she's giving joy to people and she's giving hope to people, and she's being missional as she does that. And that inspires me. Guys, I don't know what time she got there this morning, but I bet it was really early. you know? And so I, it inspires me not to be lazy, but to work hard in the power of Christ working in me. See, we tend to be one extreme or the other. Um, we tend to either be really laid back and we're just not too worked up about proclaiming the gospel or about discipling young believers, or we tend to be on the other end, working frantically, burned out. As a matter of fact, you'll hear a lot of Christians use burned out as like a badge of honor, but most of the time people that are burned out are because they're working to please God somehow or to earn their salvation somehow. They're not working in his power. They're working in their own, and it's only through his power that we can work hard and that we can become more fully mature. It takes both. It's not one or the other. It's not about me. It's not about my preferences. It's not about how tired I am. It's not about what I want to do, where I want to live, who I want to be friends with. It's about Christ, and how do I look more like him, and how do I love like him, and who does he want me to be friends with, and where does he want me to live? See, Christ is our redeemer. And by his love, we're reconciled to God and to each other. And he presents us faultless to the Father. And because of that, he is our pattern for right living. He is the one that makes us mature. We need no other supplement. We need no other addition. Christ alone is sufficient. It's not about me. True maturity comes only as we know and proclaim Christ. We can't compare ourselves to others. Instead, we have to know Christ well, we have to work hard, and we have to rely on his power working in us. The psalm that I chose this morning that I think um, reflects this idea is Psalms chapter 8, and I'm going to read that because it's not super long, if I can find it. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. And what I see there is that God is the one who determines our lives. He's the one who determines what is good. He's the one that creates and is all-powerful, and yet he chooses to know who we are. He chooses to give us value. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So I just want you to think about that psalm this week. Reflect on that and dwell on that, and look and see what other psalms you think would also um, go along with this thought of it's not about me and becoming fully mature. Okay, I'm going to give time for um, any questions that you might have or comments. Yes, the second point. I'm sorry, I'm so bad at this. I hate having to look back at what my second point was, but I can't tell you off the top of my head. We must work hard as we rely on his power working in us. I think that it's all of the things that we talked about. Oh, yes, I will. I will. So the question was, how do we tap into God's power? Like, what are the Von Runnens doing? He said that a lot of people don't do, that they're able to tap into that power. And I I think that it's just in the things that we know we need to do. It's in sitting with him and letting him speak to us through the word and letting him speak to us in prayer, letting him speak to us through the body. Um, I think that... We don't see the power in those things. And so, therefore, we don't put a priority on those things in our lives, and we miss out on the power that could be ours. And that's my simple answer to that. Anybody else? Even just a challenge you want to give to the body or any encouragement that you have? Melissa? thank you that is um yeah I just need you guys to know that I don't ever share anything with you that God hasn't been hammering on me about and I mean that in the best way like God is just really good to um continue to teach me until he goes I I think you get it now I think that maybe you've started to get that Austin yeah that's good That's good. I had thought of something I was going to say and I forgot it already. (laughs) That's so pathetic. Um, Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Um, Let me think for just a second. Is there anybody? Oh, one thing I did want to say, this is totally kind of unrelated to that though, but um, we are working on getting a handheld mic. So that when we have people share from the audience, that you can actually be mic'd and we can get it on the recording and everybody in the room can hear. Because I know sometimes when somebody's talking over here, it's hard to hear over here. So I just want to assure you that we are working on that and that will be coming. It's really hard. Like, I get on Brad all the time about not restating what people in the audience are thinking until I did this. And then I was like, I can't listen and remember what they said to say it back on the mic. Like I can, I can remember the first few sentences they said, and then I hear nothing else they said because I'm trying to remember those first few sentences. So that, that's really hard to do, and we're working on correcting that. <laughs> so I just want you to know that. Anybody else? Nate? That's a good point. Yeah. And one of the things, if you go back to that illustration of the guy that has the cattle and how he would compare his intellect to the cows. Guys, we do that with our worth all the time. We compare our worth to things that are just as crazy as comparing your intellect to a cow. Things like wealth, things like success at work. How crazy is it that we would stake our value on those things and not on what Christ says our value is? And so if you're the one that struggles the opposite with this, you always compare yourself to people that are way more mature and way further along, you think, Um, then you need to start looking at what is your true value in Christ because, see, it frees us from that. We don't have that burden in Christ. We are valuable to him, and it allows us to be honest about where we are in our maturity as we compare ourselves to Christ. That becomes not a depressing thing. It becomes a very encouraging thing. So I would just encourage you to think about that. Les? That's good. That reminds me of the scripture in James that says, anyone who knows the good he should do and doesn't do it sins. Okay, so what I'm going to ask you to do now is um, to break up in groups of probably four at the most, and I just want you to share with that group one thing you would like them to pray about this morning, and then I would like for your group to pray for those things and to also pray for our church and for each other that we would become fully mature in Christ and that we would know him well that makes sense? So when you share your prayer requests in your group, it could be something about becoming more fully mature in Christ. It could be something about identity, about any of the sermon series, but it also might just be something that's really weighing on your heart this morning, okay? And I'm going to give you some time to do that. When you're finished, please stay in your group and be Be really quiet as you're talking so that other groups can finish praying. And then I'll come back up after a period of time and stop us. And um, we'll take communion together at that point. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Go ahead. And make sure you look and make sure everybody has a group. Don't let anybody be out by themselves. Invite them in. I would just encourage you that if your group didn't get to pray or you didn't get to finish praying, you can do that. Um, when we're finished this morning. Just take a couple of minutes and get back together and and finish that. And then I would encourage you to keep praying for the people in your group throughout this week. Um, I remembered, finally, what I was going to say a while ago, um, is that I did not share the story of John and Christy for you to compare yourself to. Remember, we're not going to do that. Um, And in thinking through how do we tap into Christ's power, I think that The thing we have to do is to bring things to him and say, is this something you want me to do? Is this a way you want me to spend my time? Because it's not that all of our lives are going to look the same. Like we're not all going to be doing the same things and we're not all going to be spending the same amount of time. God knows our strengths and weaknesses and he's going to use us in the way he wants to. And many times we don't ask him, how he wants us to use those strengths and weaknesses. We just compare ourselves to somebody else and we start doing what they're doing. My point with sharing that was just that we can be inspired by people that are working off of God's power and we can be encouraged to do more and we can be encouraged to use what God has given us and to do what God wants us to do. Okay, so as we prepare for communion, I want to read Colossians 1, 21 through 23. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish and free from accusation if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. You know, what a sweet thing it is that Christ has reconciled us to God. Um, What a sweet rescue he has performed in each of our lives. And that's what we celebrate as we take communion together this morning. Um, I'm going to pray and then you can take communion and then come back to your seats and we're going to have some more songs and then we'll finish up. Um, There is a group that's coming in after us this morning. They're doing a Thanksgiving dinner here and so you can leave the chairs where they are but if you see um, that if you're still here when that group comes in you might just ask if there's a way that you could help. Um, I know that they're going to set up tables and they're going to put chairs around them um, and if you're not able to do that, go ahead and leave the building um, fairly quickly so that they can get set up and stuff and we're kind of not in their way. But we're not in a huge hurry. I don't think they're going to be here till 1230, but just wanted to put that bug in your ear. Um, God, I just thank you so much for Jesus. I thank you for the way that he rescues us. I thank you for the way that he reconciles us to you. Um, I thank you, God, that he gives us his power to work off of. And I pray for our body as a whole, and I pray for each one of us individually that we would become mature in Christ. I pray, God, that you would remind us every day that it's not about us, um, that it's about Christ. And I pray that we'll do the things that we know you've told us are valuable in knowing him well. I pray, God, that we'll continue to struggle through with the things that are hard for us to do, and we'll continue to do hard things in order to be fully mature in Christ. I thank you for the communion we're about to take. I thank you, God, for um, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. And I pray that as his disciples, we'll be willing to make that same sacrifice so that other people can know you. Uh, We love you deeply. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week.